The fourth commandment is really a double commandment, both to rest and to work. But what kind of work? Is it a day off? Stay tuned for the Full Dig podcast as pastors Kirk Sexton and Bruce Johnson discuss setting aside regular Sabbath rest, focused on being with God, and giving six days of creative and faithful work each week in the service of God. Welcome to episode four of the Full Dig podcast, where we look each week into the Ten Commandments. This week we look at the Fourth Commandment. I am Pastor Kirk Sexton from Mountain View Presbyterian Church, and I'm joined with my good friend and colleague, Pastor Bruce Johnson. Good to be with you here, Kirk, in Dallas, Texas. We're doing a show on the road today. Yes, we are in, well, we're right next to the, what was the building? Uh, JR's building? JR's building in yeah. the TV show Dallas. Yeah. Our hotel happens to look out at the building that was used as JR's building yeah. in the TV episode. So. Right. Well, last week we looked at the fourth commandment, and it was a commandment for us to, to rest on the Sabbath and to stop. Uh, Pastor Steve did a nice job. Um, the commandment is to say literally cease or stop doing what you've been doing and do something different. A very challenging commandment for all of us. Uh, We have a tendency to uh, be hardworking Protestant ethic people and to turn that off, to take rest, sometimes it's a challenge for uh, us. Certainly it's been a challenge for me in my life. So we were looking uh, each week at the differences between the Deuteronomy version and the Exodus version we read the Exodus version in worship, but you and I were in our pre-conference discussions looking at the differences. They're quite, well, they're, they're very different, aren't they? Yeah, we've looked at the differences in the preamble to the Ten Commandments, comparing Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5, and there's differences in the preamble, and you go through the first three commandments, and you, not any differences that are... Uh, uh, that we can see, but we get to the fourth commandment and there's a significant difference in the reasons why scripture says we should obey the fourth commandment to keep the Sabbath. So Kirk, why don't you read the Exodus version and then I'll read the Deuteronomy version and then we can talk about this. Okay, Exodus 20 verses eight through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So when you compare that to the version we have in Deuteronomy, and remember, in Deuteronomy we have the same Ten Commandments given to a new generation, the generation that had been born in the wilderness, the Sinai Desert, and they were going to 
be the generation that would enter the promised land. So the very first word is not remember the Sabbath day, but observe the Sabbath day. So a different verb is used. And then it adds, after the Sabbath day by keeping holy, it adds a new half sentence, as the Lord your God has commanded you. So it kind of makes sense. It was not the same generation that had heard the Ten Commandments originally being delivered by God through Moses. It's a new generation. So reminding them, hey, this has come from God himself. And then six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do or not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor, and then it adds a list of the animals, Mm -hmm. nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals. So it expands on that. And then, nor any foreigner residing in your town. And then you have the reason. Now in Exodus 20, as you read Kirk, the reason was that God made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that was in them on six days, but he rested on the seventh. So it's tied to God's creation. But here in the second telling, it's tied to something else. Remember that you are slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So instead of relating it to God's creation, it's related to God's redemption. God, the saving God, uh, God the Lord, saving God, which we talked about in our last episode. That's what you need to remember. And when we keep the Sabbath day, we remember that God has redeemed us. Uh, so a really interesting difference between the two. Now, in the, in the wilderness, there was manna provided by God. Right. And if you remember, Bruce, they were able to gather manna on six days, but not the seventh. Right. Uh, on the sixth day, they would have like a double share of manna would appear on the ground for them to gather up. And they were told, now don't uh, keep that, but don't uh, keep it to the next day uh, on other days or it'll go rotten. Exactly. The only reason I bring that up is that this idea of resting one day of the week uh, is not a new idea, even for the people who are hearing it for the first time in Exodus. Right. They've also uh, already been able to experience God's provision, Mm -hmm. that God wants them to have a cycle of work and rest, work and rest. It's interesting to me, too, besides these two different versions, uh, the Exodus version and the Deuteronomy version tied to God's creation or God's redemption, we also have two words in Hebrew for rest. We have Shabbat which simply means to stop working. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have yana, which means to dwell or settle. So uh, in the creation story, God rests on the uh, Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. And then later on, he settles Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. So it's rest in the sense of, I'm where I need to be, I can just be. It's like you would uh, have when you oh, unpack your suitcases because you're going to stay with your kids and your grandkids, as Lori and I are about to do Mm -hmm. a little later on this week, you settle and you get rest, and then you have the time uh, for relationship. Now, Bruce, what do you make of this idea that 
there was rest because the God, God rested, right? Um, he made man and woman. And it was even before there was a creation of a creation of the of the garden. Right. Are you tracking with me? I'm tracking with you. So there wasn't the institute of work yet because there was no garden to work yet. No, No, but God was at work. God was at work. So God gives the pattern. God works, God rests. And uh, we are made in God's image, so we are to work and to rest as well. Mm-hmm. That's great. It's, it's a God-like thing. It's uh, getting closer to God when we rest. So why do we have such difficulty with this, this one commandment? It seems, well, clergy, like you and I, we were talking that it's difficult because on the Lord's Day, uh, we have a difficult time resting on a day when you and I are called to lead worship. I think it's because we don't listen to our spouses. That's a, <laughs> hey, knock it off, you know. You, you got to get some rest. You got to stay healthy. You got to right. have balance in your life. Yes, and, balance. Uh, and we feel the uh, overwhelming sense of responsibility, and so we want to keep on working. And that's not, not good for us in terms of balanced life. We need to be with God, not just do things for God. Yeah, and Pastor Stephen, his sermon said that in addition to stopping, is that it's not like idle. It's we're to do things, but the commandment doesn't really spell out what it is that we're to do to make it holy. Yes. I mean, he says to stop, but he doesn't really say to do what, but it's, it's not to be idle. No, so Steve talked about it's a time to listen, right, and a time for reorientation. Really good things, which is that time and space, the yana, uh, being placed by God in a certain place. And, and to, uh, I think the expression is bloom where you're planted. Mm. And also to be where we're planted. God has us here today. Let's unplug, let's recharge, let's listen to God. Let's listen to the people around us. Let's uh, reorient our life. Remember what's really important. So we have a practice in our family of having Sunday dinners. And I think that would fit with that kind of rest in that we don't have dinner with the whole family any other day of the week. So that is really wholly different. Yes, our younger daughter and our son-in-law are conspiring to create that for our extended family, to have Mm -hmm. it once a month where we can just on a Sunday afternoon, just be together and just hang together. And it makes a lot of sense. Sure. Pastor Steve, in his sermon, talked about three things. Uh, I think you mentioned them, rest, reflection, and renewal as things to do, not specifically listed in Scripture, but... Right. Uh, So let's talk about some things that are listed in Scripture. We don't have... Oh, uh full list of all of the things that we're supposed to stop doing, but we do have in different chapters of the Old Testament things that are prohibited, forbidden work on the Sabbath. It alludes to uh, field labor in Exodus 34 mm-hmm. and Numbers 15, treading in a wine press or, or loading animals in Nehemiah 13, doing business and carrying, uh, that's in Isaiah 58, Jeremiah 17, and Amos chapter 8. Kindling fire from Exodus 35 
and traveling in Exodus 16. So that gets to the Shabbat, the stopping those things, mm -hmm. so that we're available to do something else. Yes, and you and I were talking about some of the Orthodox Jews that are living on, well, I, I see them going to Shabbat services on uh, Saturday evening. The family is walking to their temple. Yes, a new Orthodox synagogue has opened up in, in Scottsdale, and uh, we see them walking, and they can only walk so far, so they have to have homes that are near where their synagogue is. I enjoy watching um, when I drive, the, seeing the families uh, walking uh, to, uh, to, their, uh, to their worship service, uh, to their Shabbat services. It's a reminder for all of us that we also need to rest. Mm. Yes. Now, Jesus got in trouble for what he did and did not do on the Sabbath. Yes, it seemed like that was a real stickler with the religious serious. Exactly. Uh, though the Bible does not specify all the labors that are prohibited in the Sabbath, a Jewish tradition began to have a whole list of things that you are not allowed to do. Mm -hmm. And Jesus pushes the envelope about that. Uh, first, there's a story when Jesus uh, is walking with his disciples on a Sabbath, and they're hungry, and there is a grain field near them. So they start to pick off the heads of stalks of grain, rub it between their palms and then get the kernel uh, separate from the chaff and they eat that. Mm -hmm. And the Pharisees saw that and said, look, you're doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath. You are doing work. Right. So Jesus comes and he gives two stories in defense of his disciples, um, both Matthew chapter 12 and Mark chapter 2 have Jesus saying, don't you remember what David did before he was anointed king? Mm -hmm. He and his companions were hungry and so he enters the house of God. And there is the showbread, the consecrated bread that was put before the presence of God in the temple mm -hmm. or in the uh, tabernacle back then, uh, 12 loaves for the 12 tribes of Israel. And they ate the loaves, which were not technically uh, for them to eat. You had to be a, a priest or a Levite to eat those. And yet uh, in a time of need, they were given to David and his companions. Right. And then Matthew adds a, a second reason. He says, and this is where it gets... Uh, Real dicey for you and me, Kirk. He okay. talks about uh, people that have to work on Sabbath, uh, people that are uh, working as uh, priests. Um, the priests on Sabbath day in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent, he says. I tell you something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And then he goes on to heal a man on the Sabbath, challenging mm -hmm. the religious leaders. So is it lawful to do good work or bad work on the Sabbath? And they don't answer. So he does a good work and heals somebody. Right. Really pushing the idea that uh, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for human beings, not human beings for the Sabbath. Go behind the deeper meaning. Mm-hmm really pushing the idea not just of ceasing labor, but the idea of, of fully being present with God. Mm -hmm. That's the important thing. It's the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. Exactly. So as Christians, how are we supposed to view this idea? Because 
our Jewish friends that we talked about earlier, they they have Shabbat services on Saturday night, and then we gather for worship and we say it's the Lord's Day on Sunday. Yes, so a shift took place, and, and um, there's two things to remember as we think about it. First, the idea in uh, Jewish thinking of when a day starts, we think of a day starting at midnight, from midnight to midnight. That's the uh, we get from the Roman tradition, the Roman Empire. But in the Jewish understanding, it was different. And you see that in the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1, where they talk about the first day. And it does not say there was uh, morning and then there was evening the first day. It says there was evening and morning the mm. first day. So in Jewish understanding, the day begins when the sun goes down. When the sun is down, that's the new day begins. So okay. the Jewish Shabbat begins on Friday night and continues until the sun goes down on Saturday. That's the Sabbath. Well, and the correct me if I'm wrong, because I read something to the effect that, you know, a, a, a Greek person or a Roman person, they named the days Sunday, Monday, whereas a Jewish understanding would have the days be one more day closer to Sabbath, two more days closer to Sabbath. Is there anything to that? Well, yes. The days of the week as we know them now are named after the different planets or the uh, uh, Roman gods and goddesses associated with the planets. So Sunday is the sun's day. Monday is the moon's day. Mm -hmm. Tuesday uh, named after the god of war, as he's understanding Scandinavian um, uh, languages and, and so on. Uh, but in Hebrew, it's all about... Well, there's a song I have about the days of the week in Hebrew. Okay, good. It's Yom Rishon Tapuche Adama. This is a marching song they sing oh, in the Israeli army. Okay. And that means Monday we get potatoes, or Sunday we get potatoes. Yes. Yom Sheni Tapuche Adama. Monday we get potatoes. And it goes through all of the days of the week, you know, day one, day two, thing. And then you get to Yom Shabbat, Sabbath, Hafteah, surprise. Shtei Manotim Tapuche Adama. Two plates of potatoes. <laughs> and then you start the little uh, jingle, or uh, in the military they call them joeys, over again. So okay. All day right. one, day two, day three. Right. Is okay. this a good time to mention your, you had a little archaeological uh, find that you found interesting in related to Sabbath, right? Right. So remember there was a commandment to say we shouldn't travel mm -hmm. on the Sabbath. Well, how far do you have to travel? before you've broken that commandment. Mm. So, you know, it's kind of a, some discussion about it, but basically it was 200 cubits or about one kilometer. Uh, that's how far you could travel north, south, east, or west around uh, where your house was or around where your village is, if you lived in a town or village. And that was called the Takum Shabbat, the Sabbath limit. And it's interesting, we have two boundary markers that we discovered in the Holy Land that seem to be, if you cross this boundary, you've gone more than a Sabbath day journey. Uh, some of you may remember, some of you listeners may remember in the New Testament where they talked about Bethany, the town where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were from and where Jesus uh, uses as his home base um, the last week before his crucifixion. That's a Sabbath day journey outside Jerusalem. Hmm. 
So we have two places around Galilee where you have these markers. Uh, one of them is in Greek, and it has the Greek letter C-A-B, which uh, most archaeologists think is a uh, prefix of the word kabat, uh, which would be Hebrew Shabbat. And the one that I think is really interesting is somebody in 2011 is up in the Galilee area. He's visiting his grandchildren. So he goes for a walk around the, the Moshav, the Jewish uh, collective farm area, uh, kind of out in, uh, out in the boonies. And he comes across a boundary marker, not in Greek, but in Hebrew, that says Shabbat. Mm. And seems to be um, that kilometer distant from an ancient settlement. So uh, they took that seriously. Now, both of these markers are not from the biblical period. They're from the uh, late Roman or Byzantine period, so between, uh, say, the 2nd century A.D. and the 7th century A.D. Still pretty old. Yeah, and uh, uh, pretty significant. It kind of puts a, um, uh, something we can touch and look at and say, you know, this are people that are trying to live out that fourth commandment in their lives. And that this was only discovered in 2011. Isn't that something? It's amazing, yes. And been down there for, um, you know, it must have been 15 centuries or so. Yes. <laughs> That's great. We've been doing um, a little bit on the eco-tenants and what eco-tenant would have any relevance to keeping the Sabbath. Well, again, if you're looking at the eco-tenants, you can go to the end of the eco-essential tenants, and there you have summaries of the Ten Commandments. And under the Fourth Commandment, it says, Observe the Sabbath as a day of worship and rest, being faithful in gathering with the people of God. So, again, it's not just what we cease to do, mm. but providing space for that time of, of praise being together as the people of God, encouraging one another, um, and being faithful to that, that that's a good practice to have as followers so, of Christ. So if we were to schedule a golf outing with Pastor Steve, would that, I think that would, would that uh, fit the letter of the law? I know <laughs> Pastor Steve would say that golf isn't work. <laughs> It is for me. All right. And then we were also looking at some of our confessional standards. And uh, the Heidelberg Catechism is one we've looked at. And question 103 says, what does God require in the fourth commandment? And the answer, again, uh, these are in a question and answer format, these uh, catechisms. It says, first, that the ministry of the gospel and Christian education be maintained and that I diligently attend church, especially on the Lord's Day, to hear the Word of God, to participate in the Holy Sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord, and to give Christian service to those in need. Second, that I cease from my evil works all the days of my life, allow the, word, um, allow the Lord to work in me through His Spirit, and thus begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. So it extends to additional thoughts. You know, we think about a Sabbath, we rest, we gather for worship. Mm -hmm. But then it says, and also we keep the Sabbath by saying, I'm going to do the right thing in my life, mm -hmm. all my life. 
that that also is in keeping with the fourth commandment, to rest from the things that are bad and to begin doing those things that are good and right in my life and that that will be part of the character of God, uh, God's renewing of my inner life. Um, that's a reflection of, of keeping the Sabbath. And then to tie that with the promise of life eternal, mm. that we are beginning to experience now the eternal Sabbath because of our closeness with God that's uh, been provided by uh, Christ's death and resurrection, the Spirit's indwelling of us. We last time uh, visited about what these commandments mean, not just for us personally, but for our community and for our neighbor. And I was wondering, how would my Sabbath rest, Bruce, impact my neighbor? Well, if we allow our neighbors to rest too. You know, uh, we often have those situations of, um, oh, I need to rest. Well, I'll go back to a restaurant today. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't leave the people working at restaurants the time to rest. Mm -hmm. um, uh, how am I making room for the Sabbath of other people? Mm -hmm. uh, am I patient when things take longer? Mm -hmm. uh, because I realize people that I haven't even met, they need some rest too. Right. And that makes for a good world. Mm. I was thinking maybe in the, in the service of needs of others, uh, that would be a neighborly thing to be, to be the kind of good work we could be about on a Sabbath day. Well, certainly, you know, when we hear about um, people experiencing something major in their lives, you know, whether that's friends coming in from out of town or um, there's been a death in the family or a birth in the family, we say, hey, can we do anything to help? Hmm. And sometimes people say no, and other times they say, yeah, that would be really helpful right. if they were able to do the things. Yeah, um, that's a neighborly thing to do, to prepare a dish, to go over and offer service in that kind of a need. Yeah, basically to be thinking about other people and not just ourselves. Well, let's look at another confessional standard. This one, the Westminster Confession. I don't, I'll leave that to you this time. Right, we've looked at in the Westminster Standards, we've looked at the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question and answer format written for children, the Westminster Larger Catechism, question and answer format written for adults, and besides that, we have the Westminster Confession of Faith. So they're all written around the same time, slightly different purposes. The Westminster Confession is not a question and answer format, but it does talk about the Sabbath. So it says there, uh, under chapter 13, which is about religious worship and the Sabbath, it says in points 7 and 8, as it is of the law of nature that, in general, in due proportion of time, a due proportion of time be set apart for the worship of God, so in his word, by a positive moral and perpetual commandment, binding all people in all ages, he has particularly appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy to him, which from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ was the last day of the week, and from the resurrection of Christ was changed the first day of the week which in Scripture is called the Lord's Day, and it is to be continued to the end of the world as the Christian Sabbath. Mm. Really zeroing in on why Christians uh, take the first day of the week and not the last day of the week uh, as our 
Sabbath because Jesus was raised on the first day of the week. And every Sunday then is Resurrection Sunday. Right. And the Westminster Confession says it continues in that because we live in light of the resurrection of Christ for the rest of our lives and for the rest of all eternity. And then in point eight, it says, the Sabbath is then kept holy by the Lord when his people, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common efforts beforehand, do not only observe a holy rest all the day from their works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations, but also are taken up the whole time in the public and private exercise of his worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. So mm. it's that mercy part that you were talking about, Kirk. Sure. But let's let's uh, not only do things that are good for ourselves, but let's see what good can we do to help other people. Well, and I think one thing that's kind of convicting about that is the not only are we supposed to stop what we're doing, but we're not even supposed to talk about it, <laughs> right? And, um, you know, so many of us, I think, plan Sunday. You know, Sunday we get what comes into my head is what have I got to do on Monday? Yes. And you start making preparations for Monday even before the Sunday rest is really complete. Well, you can imagine a conversation with family or friends, and they want you to listen to something. And you're not really concentrating on what they're saying. You're concentrating on your to-do list that mm. you have to start as the work week begins. Yeah. And how much deeper and richer that conversation will be with your loved one or friend if you stop and are fully present for that conversation. Mm -hmm. And how much more will you live out your love, uh, your, your cherishing of your family, your love and appreciation for your friends if you really are present when you talk with them, when mm -hmm. you're with them. Yes. And even when you're not saying anything, but you're just uh, being together. I think that's why I enjoy the Sunday dinner so well is when I'm at dinner, I'm, my phone isn't nearby. Uh, there's, there's not any interruptions from the phone or any other interruptions, really. You're there and you're face to face breaking bread with your family and I've, I really enjoy that. So it's really developing some ritual that will keep us in that being mode and not doing mode. Mm -hmm. And we really have to figure out what that will be like. Uh, I read some of this and I think about, hey, it, it's different to how are we going to keep the Sabbath during the pandemic times, even as we come out of the pandemic times. Mm -hmm. A lot of us weren't physically gathering for worship. Mm-hmm. And we got into different habits. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how are we going to reconstruct that? Right. Uh, what will Sabbath practice be like, and how can we be um, not only more faithful at keeping that, uh, the, the stopping of work and the being together, finding a space and time to be with God and be with others? Um, it's good to reflect on those and try to rebuild that as we rebuild other things in our lives and in our cities uh, coming out of COVID. One of the books I read this week suggested that... You're always reading books, Kurt. I am. Always uh, reading books. Well, I'm trying to keep up with you. Uh. And, and uh, w suggested that maybe for, especially us clergy, that it might not be easy to have a full day of Sabbath rest, but to say, I'm going to take a half a day this day and another half a day 
another day. What do you, what do you think of that idea? Well, we've got to find some way to really live it out. I mean, it's hard for us to talk about, hey, you, you need to rest when we're not resting ourselves. We really need to take it seriously. And this time away you and I are having with uh, other church leaders in ECO at the ECO National Gathering, I'm sure we'll be encouraged to say, let's all be healthy. Let's, let's do those things that we already know are good and right, mm. that are commanded by God in Scripture. One of those is rest. How are we doing? Mm. Uh, uh, we're going to hear soon in some of the uh, plenary addresses about just how um, hard this has been, the pandemic season is on uh, pastors and how we can encourage one another to um, be healthier in our practices mm. as we follow Christ. So that's all going to be good for us, Kirk. Well, we've each week have had an, a quote from C.S. Lewis. Did you come up with one this week, Bruce? Yes, and it's a rather obscure one. Uh, this is uh, to understand this quote, you have to know two things. First, okay. there, uh, C.S. Lewis had this huge vocabulary. So he uses in this quote, a word, a word called simulacrum. Do you know what simulacrum is? I do not know. It means uh, something that represents something else. Hmm. So he talks about uh, Christian worship as a simulacrum of our ultimate being together with God forever and all eternity. Hmm. Uh, and uh, he talks also about the fact that as a, a young man, he did not enjoy worship in church. His father, our grandfather, was a pastor. And he didn't always enjoy beating church. Oh, <laughs> so I didn't know that about so, him. Yeah, so he's writing to an American friend of his, mm -hmm. and uh, he says, hey, we, you had brought up the subject of praise. And he begins talking about how our words are, are inadequate when we talk about God. Mm -hmm. And he begins talking about how, what does it mean to glorify God? I mean, God doesn't need to be glorified by me. I mean, God is glory itself. How can I do anything that adds to God's glory? So he says that's a little confusion, a little confusing. Mm -hmm. And then he uh, writes this. The picture of heaven as perpetual worship, a place in the hideous words of the hymn, when congregations near break up and Sabbaths have no end, which has tormented many a luckless child, finding one Sabbath per week a ration only too liberal, comes aright when one sees the real meaning, the perpetual worship is the perpetual vision, the perfect exercise of all one's faculties on the perfect object. That is, if, if we could be fully present in worshiping God, that's fully deserving of all of our praise and worship. Hmm. Uh, in, in a child's mind, why am I in church? It's boring. It says, get where it's pointing. It's pointing to God who is sublime, love itself, pure beauty, all or, truth. Or in an adult's mind that has his phone and is preparing his uh, shopping list for later. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it says it, it, if you get that sense of the heavenly vision, the, mm. the Sabbath that is to come, everything comes, it all makes sense. And words. that really is very close to what the Westminster Confession was talking about too. Exactly. So it says... Of that, one could never have too much, that mm. perfect vision. Of its simulacrum, worship as we know it down here, one easily can. Mm. You know, you, you can't get bored at worship. Uh, and some worship services are less than inspiring. Sure. But to, to keep God in, present in our minds, to have that space set out each week so we can really focus on God and all God's glory and beauty 
That's good stuff. Well, thank you, Bruce. That is good stuff. Now, we also, besides having a C.S. Lewis quote, are also trying to lift up a quote from our Reform heritage. And, Kirk, what did you find this week to lift up? So, Karl Barth, in Church Dogmatics, said this. He said that on this day we are to celebrate, rejoice, and be free to the glory of God. So, I think it's saying to us that for the Sabbath to be good, it has to be something that is done by us for our good. And that is why it comes to us as a command. He wants us to rest because he knows it's good for us. All right. And it, in that quote, lifts up the reasoning in Deuteronomy chapter 5. You were slaves and you've been brought to freedom. So he lifts up that, that, that freedom to be fully free be redeemed um, by God and to be live out that freedom. Yeah, I mean, to look at it instead of like we have on some of these others, that it, and instead of looking at it as a burden, to look at it as a gift. A gift, a joy. Mm. Yeah, something to be celebrated. And I think Pastor Steve talked about in his sermon, too, that it's uh, uh, something leisurely activities uh, i think he said something to the effect that those are those are good to do you know if recreation is not something part of your normal rhythm maybe recreation is the most restful thing you can do exactly going out in the desert taking a hike mm -hmm. having a game night with family things like that sure yeah well I, it's all i have um in my notes bruce is there anything else that you want to add well, beginning in our next episode, we do the shift from uh, commandments that relate to our relationship with God mm. to commandments that relate to our re relationship with other people. So we'll start with commandment number five, which is about honoring our parents. Mm. So uh, a lot of food for thought there. Sure. Well, I would like to uh, invite you to close in prayer, or did you want me to pray today? I'll, I'll close in prayer. All right. Thank you. Great God. We thank you for the rest that you promise us, that great eternal Sabbath where we will be fully free and with you forever. Lord, help us regularly, habitually, to take time to enjoy now that Sabbath rest, and taking time away from normal things, normal pursuits, and fully being present with you and with those around us. Lord, in this way, may we model the life we have seen in you when you walk this world in the form of God himself and a human being himself, Jesus Christ. In his great name we pray this. Amen. Amen. Amen.